Hey, everybody, it's Jeff. As we come into summer, there are a couple things that I want to just give you an update on. First, you've heard us talk on the podcast about MXUHQ, and we are so excited to be able to host events and to host your team at our facility. The headquarters is being renovated as we speak, and I'm telling you, we can't wait for you to see it. So stay tuned for updates on that throughout the summer. We're going to have uh, our first event coming up very soon, so stay tuned. Also, tickets for the MXU Tour in September are going fast. And so before early bird pricing goes away, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to get in on tickets while the prices are still the most affordable that they'll ever be. Go to mxu.com live and pick up your tour tickets today. Bring your whole team because I know this is a day that you're not going to want to miss. Okay, let's get to the show. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 118 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here with my good friend, co-host, and happy birthday, buddy, <laughs> and tour mate for the yeah. first time ever, Yeah, Mr. Lee Fields. How you doing, friend? That bunk was tight last night with both of us in there. <laughs> So Lee and I have never been on a tour other than the MXU live tour yep. when we have been standing next to each other on consoles mixing yep. um, different material. And I felt last night like I was mixing for you yeah, <laughs> as well as for the audience. But it was by some random act of the good Lord himself that we got to do these three dates together. Or the devil, depending well, on who you're well, asking. Depending on who you ask, yeah. Um, so we are together on the uh, Chris Tomlin Hillsong United tour for three days. So, And we're in the green room right now. That's right. So if you hear a bunch of banging and talking in the background, it's because we are in the venue where the Pittsburgh Penguins play Yeah, in Pittsburgh. But the residents of Pittsburgh are coming tonight to hear yes. Tomlin and United, and we're going to have a blast. I think it's Lee Fields and Jeff Sandstrom featuring Hillsong United and Chris Tomlin. Is what <laughs> we I need think. to make a t-shirt. I think our audience would think that that's true. I don't know about the 15,000 people that are coming tonight. but Well, we're going to have fun either way. Yes. But it's been really fun for me, even just for the last couple of days. So backstory, let me back up a little bit. I live in Greenville, South Carolina. And the tour was in Greensboro, North Carolina, yep. three days ago. And so we had a day off. You guys had a day off on Tuesday. So I decided to go up and hang out with you. We were going to have dinner and just, you know, do our thing. And then I would stay for the show day, yep. hang out for load in and just be there for the show and leave that night. So I woke up that morning after 36 holes of golf. <laughs> well, we, we did play 30. We only played 36 on Tuesday. Only. Um, but I woke up on Wednesday morning to a text, a flurry of texts from Tomlin's production manager saying, um, I know you're going to be here today. Are you by chance free for the next couple of days? Because our front house guy got COVID. Yep. And so I filled in for that night, trying to mix on his show file yep. in a band that I know very well, but a file that I wasn't too familiar with. Yeah. So... That day was kind of a mad scramble to get things happening. And then the second day, yesterday, we were in Columbus, and today we're in Pittsburgh. So it's yeah. a thrill for me to be out with Chris and the guys and just helping make this happen. And it's awesome to be with you 
just bouncing ideas off each other and listening to each other and I, it's funny during the show looking back and forth we we each, we each find ourselves looking at each other yes. going is this okay like yeah. are you feeling this am i am i am i hearing this right so there's a couple things we need to talk about about what we've sort of yeah. done and learned uh, but i just wanted to start by saying it's been it's been a blast yeah if you think about like again why we started this whole thing with mxu and the community we've built it started by us watching each other at concerts right and wanting to find a place to be able to stop in the middle of that concert and get better right 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 and then since we started that in 2016 we spent the last six years creating environments and resources to do that and then the last two nights we actually get to do it we're back to watching each other mix yeah and what's really funny is because we're you know we you can't you can't necessarily solo in place during the show but during right. sound check you can and yes. so for us to be able to be in an arena yeah in a really large space and go okay is anybody actually going to hear this reverb am right. i just kidding myself right how does this sound what is this vocal mic on the thrust 100 feet in front of the pa like how am i going to have to change that versus what's happening on the stage those are conversations that you can't have really unless it's real time in the room yeah live so that's that's been really fun yeah and you did a great job even on that first day you know using someone else's file scrambling like you were you were sound checking and you got to hear one song basically yeah and i was patching your effects on one side of the console <laughs> and you're working on vocals on the other yeah it was like crazy it was crazy and i i felt like the show went well like you said i mean i, I nothing blew up and i think everybody had a good time but i felt like it was a white knuckle yeah moment the whole i didn't feel comfortable right at all right we've all had those yeah yeah so that was it was refreshing yesterday to be able to have have the time to redo some things and reorient the console in a way that made more sense to me change some plugins and well you loaded your super i rack loaded file, my super rack which stuff. is like well of course you did that but on day one your first question was well i wonder if i can load my sd7 file but the patch is so complex some of the microphones have changed right like it would have taken way longer right to do that to start over especially because you've got things that are essential to the running of the show like the fact that calm and talkbacks and all the right all the backbone things that are required you know those have changed over the years and so i i didn't have the time to get into the no and those are like we think oh that's kind of stuff that's not important but it's the most disruptive to the band oh yeah it's way more important than the tom mics yes because if they can't hear each other's talkbacks or they can't hear the radio or you or they can't hear the show call from the tour manager that's that's the stuff that'll make the whole thing go down right. so i didn't want to do anything that would disrupt that plus even simple things like you know the way the pa is getting signal routed to it is yeah. different than what it was in my original right. you know three-year-old tomlin file right so there was no way i could change all that stuff so no. um we did the best with what we had and yesterday had a little more time and was able to dig in a little better so i, I felt like last night was great 
It, yeah, me too. I, I felt really I thought comfortable. you smashed it. Thanks. This is my sixth or seventh show, I feel like. Yeah. So I've been comfortable for quite a few shows now. So. Yeah. And you had a lot of time with the console in advance yeah. with tracks to be able to build yeah. a workflow that was comfortable for you. So you walked into it only concerned about the music, the mix, like yes. how can I make the music better? Yeah. Not how can I get around this desk? You know, totally. I haven't moved anything on the desk because of all the prep work I did. Yeah. So I think there's a lesson there for a lot of church guys who maybe bring in people to mix or have different people with differing opinions who come in and do things their own way from Sunday to Sunday. You know, that's, that can be comfortable for the operator sometimes if they, if they have their way of doing things. But if somebody else has to walk in last minute, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, so I think the more we can get everybody on the same page and standardize things so that a volunteer can walk up and just feel like they have success if they can push faders. Right. You know, it, it, I was telling somebody yesterday, it's like, they don't need to know what's everything that's happening under the hood. They just need to yep. have the faders where they can get them in a good spot. And then as they get more experienced and more curious and better at pushing faders, then we can start to show them some of what's under the hood. But it's, it's, it's a bad feeling when you walk up and you feel like you're one button away from where you need to be. Yeah, but how many... I was just thinking about this when you said that. It's not just like guests. Right. Like a volunteer that mixes once a month right. will probably always feel like a guest. Yeah. Every time. Every time. How How is an hour or two hours a month make anyone comfortable in any system? Right. So to have like, oh, here's the drums and then the drum parallel and then the tom parallel. And then I've got two overhead channels because I like the, you know, like I've seen just the most complex crap, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I have overhead mics and cymbal mics. Yeah, or, yeah. And then I've got. Three snare mics. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a vocal bus. And then a parallel vocal vocal bus for my background vocals. And then do the vocal tracks go into that or do they get processed separately? It's like, right. why do you need to do all these gymnastics? Right. So it's a good lesson. Because gymnastics is a part of mixing, apparently. Well, I hope not because I'm not very flexible. I'm not either, especially <laughs> after 36 holes of golf. Thank you. That's funny. Well, happy birthday. Thanks. Yeah. What are we going to do today? Um, I, well, I think we need to go off site for dinner at least. We'll have like maybe two hours, hour and a half. Yeah. Between sound check and the start of show, because I'm also mixing the opener, which is Pat Barrett, who is one of the funniest humans on the planet and him. one of the kindest people. He's just, he's a gem. We stayed up very late last night and talked about nineties rock bands. Oh man. And he and I love the same crazy 90s early 2000 rock bands that's awesome yes like what's the sound? top what's the top five list well th this is really obscure okay seven dust oh yes yeah he was like oh check out their new album and i'm like what A new like album yeah and i used to love them like in high school yeah and then they had a bunch of albums that weren't great and he's like, oh, they're back. So we like we nerded out on just whatever you call that, bro rock. But yeah. It was pretty cool. That's funny. So for everybody who's wondering, Seven <laughs> Dust is apparently back. I guess. That's good. Yeah. So Corey and Aaron came to the show in Greensboro too. Yeah. Corey Edwards, Aaron Padilla. Yeah, they were at Elevation doing some stuff with their team. And yep. from Charlotte to Greensboro was only an hour away. So they drove up for the show. And so, yeah, talk about 
nervous. I was already nervous. And then I've got you and Corey <laughs> and Aaron looking over my shoulder the whole night. So luckily they were they were gracious and kind and not too critical of me. But yeah. um, it was interesting to hear their perspective on some stuff. So you spent about 45 minutes on the phone with Corey after. Yeah just kind of deconstructing some things. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so, you know, Mixon United has been the honor of a lifetime. I'll start there. Um, but it's also one of, if not the, hardest good bands to mix. Yes. So I've, there's always like, this band's hard to mix because they're bad. Right. I've had those. Everybody's had those. Right. But, a really good band that's hard to mix for a couple different reasons. Yeah. And there's some unforeseen circumstances that they're dealing with. Um, they're one of their regular guitar players. He and his wife had a baby this week, so he is out this whole leg of the tour. So Jad, one of the worship leaders is picking up a lot of extra guitar parts. Chisel's playing stuff. He normally doesn't play. So there's a lot of new mm -hmm. in that new for them too. Yep. New so they're maybe a little less comfortable. Yep. They for sure are and then you know eight worship leaders and the parts change every verse to chorus right who's singing bgv's changes so it's one thing to memorize that like i feel like i had that coming in i knew who was going to do what when but the things you don't anticipate are it's a big arena and right. there's a catwalk and now this person's out on the catwalk and now oh this person and this song's near the drums so watch the cymbal bleed even though that part needs to come up and all kinds of stuff. And yeah. then who else is singing melody that I can put in there so that during the ad libs, everyone in the crowd can still have some melody context, right. you know? So, and the problem, the, the, the other problem too, is that yes, you know, who's singing, which section of the song during the song. Yep. But with these guys, you've pretty much got to have all the mics up pretty wide open yep. because of the ad libs. Yep. Cause there's always going to be some exhortation over here. Mm -hmm or a line that's sung over here that you really want to be heard. Yep. So it's not just, you know, mute, unmute, whoever's singing the lead vocal. Yeah. It's they're all up and yeah. that amount of just room noise, PA bleed, stage volume, all that stuff gets in all those mics. And so yep. it's it's a challenge. It is. And you know, Corey came to I guess that was show four or five. And I was really happy with everything. Let me start there. Like I don't Yeah. I don't think it sounds bad. Yeah. But I'm obsessed with being the best that it can be. Yeah. I mean, our whole thing has always been, <laughs> right. how can we get better? I don't how care can we get better? if it's the best mix that's ever been mixed through PA speakers ever. It can still get better. Right. No matter who it is. Right. Right. So every single show, the first song from the first show we did here, I will every song look over my shoulder and see who's there that I can ask. Yeah. Hearing anything? Whether it's you, obviously I'm going to do that to you, right? But even the tour manager Webby, yeah. The second show, he was standing off to the side, and I looked at him, and I was like, I I put my thumbs up, and I was like, Is this okay? And he was kind of like, Sure, yeah. You know, <laughs> he didn't have anything to say back, but I'm always looking. Yeah. Well, I was doing that last night with, um, during Pat Barrett's set, yeah, because his road manager was back at front of house, just kind of listening, and I'm turning to him going. Is this okay? Like, is this yeah, what you're going right. for? And, and he was he was super excited. Like right. he was he was thrilled. Yeah. But just that extra level of affirmation is good because yep. you want to make sure that you're serving the artist's expectations. Yeah. 
because you might have a preference that's all about a certain sound and they're like no that's not yep. what we're going for yep those drums are too prominent or yep. that guitar needs to be more prominent right. or you might not think that that's a vital part of the song but we think it is yep. you know so having that feedback is always important yeah but Corey gave great feedback he did and the, the the one thing before we get to Corey's feedback is there's basically no sound check right so also our worship leaders play golf every day but even if they were here there's still not time to sound check so right. it, does, it doesn't even matter yeah we get about 10 minutes and i've got maybe one or two of the singers there but it's eight of them. And how do you do eight songs in a sound check? You can't. You can't. So you do like, give me two or three lines and see how it goes. Yeah. And then give me the first section of the first song yep. so that I can end where we're going to start. Yep. Yeah. And we spend as much time tuning the PA so that what we know to be true about the file and the mix can translate. Right. Okay. So Corey comes to the show, loves it, you know, says it's amazing. And then they leave. So show's over, I go to the showers, and then I go to the bus. Then Meanwhile, I'm driving home yeah. because I have to basically get my car home and yeah. then get on a plane the next morning to fly to Columbus yes. to meet you guys yesterday. So yeah. it's crazy. So I get on the phone with Corey, and after he had already like, dude, this is great, proud of you, this sounds amazing, don't change anything, you know, that kind of thing. Right, but so then I, you're like, okay, what do I need to change? Oh, I called him, he <laughs> answered, and I go, okay, give it to me. You know, because I wanted... Like I said, there's always something to get better. Right. And we talked for 40 minutes about the vocals. And I already thought they were pretty good. And I think they were. They were pretty good. Yeah. But I also knew they could get better. So much so that one night, I think show three, the show two, show two, I pretty much neglected the guitars and tracks that night because I was so fired up about getting these vocals. Yeah. yeah. I just like... I know what these vocals can be and they're not there yet. They're good, but they're not there yet. So we talked for 40 minutes about the vocals and I, I didn't scrap what I was doing, but we redid everything. Yeah. Everything from the order of the plugins, we swapped out a DSer for a different DSer. Um, and then we did add a dynamic EQ, which I did not have before. So we added that new and I got Jad in Soundcheck yesterday and Crocker to try it and had all those plugins copied and ready to paste on people and try in the show in yep. a room full of people. But sometimes that's what you got to do. It's like yeah. if this is working, I, I did the same thing with the when I loaded my plugins that are just sort of my standard setup in Super Rack. My vocal chain is generally the same, whether it's Chris Tomlin or Lauren Daigle or pat barrett or whoever else it's like i want yep. this vocal chain yep. to kind of be my starting point yeah and um so i you know paste preset well now that i had it yesterday it was like okay i'm gonna put it on chris yep. put it on daniel put it on george put it on pat yep and assume that if it works for chris it's going to work for everybody and yep. sure enough it did yeah but you you learn that over time and i think those those kinds of things are safe to do yeah because if it if it's going to work for one person holding a yeah. 58 it's going to work for everybody yeah but the interesting thing to me was how much impact putting that dynamic eq where you did in the chain yeah made a big difference so before so talk everybody through the chain version one of the vocal chain was um console high pass filter and then there's an eq there but it, it was flat yeah then um 
1176 blue. Okay. And it was on 12 to 1. Attack was at noon, so medium attack, which is still fast, right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. remember that's super fast. Yeah. No matter where you turn those dials. Because the fastest attack on that is it's microseconds. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like 800 ultra seconds, yeah. I think. Um, at 12 to 1. And then after that was LA2A. And after that was the BSS DSer. Okay. And I was only using the DSer function. So it's just like three of the 10 knobs on there. Yeah. Down to like four and a half K, five K. Okay. So further than I probably needed it. Yeah. But I like it when it does that with a high ratio. So here's what we changed it. Oh, and then also during the show, I would go back to the console EQ and do more corrective stuff if I needed. Got it. And then I'd use the low pass on the Digico for when they walked out on the catwalk, you know, take that down to 10 K. So the whole PA didn't destroy eardrums. Yeah. Okay. So we changed it to console high pass filter, flatten the console EQs, then went, um, Oh, I forgot version one had EQ in it. It was first, it was the Neve VEQ four. Yeah. Which I stole from Raybold. Raybold from the MXU Live tour. Yes. On Shockley's vocal, which we thought was like the craziest sound and vocal ever, was a wired 58. Crazy good. Crazy good. The 300 band on that VEQ. Yep. He just takes you just know, 10 it. dB or maybe even 15 out. Yep. And just that made that 58 sound amazing. Yeah. So I use that and then the 3.3K, and it's a big wide scoop out of the high mids. And then some singers had some 801K pulled out and some didn't. And that got the vocal sound. Okay. So version two kept the Neve EQ there. Yep. And it stayed the same. Then went 1176, changed it to eight to one. And the thing about that compressor is like 12 to one and eight to one. It's not just a ratio change. Right. It changes the way the attack and release respond. It changes the whole knee, the whole... It's like it's a whole other compressor, a every button. Yeah. Right? So 8 to 1. It can sometimes sound even tighter than 12 to 1, which is crazy. Um, then Renaissance DSer. Okay. that. Old school. Yeah. So Corey's philosophy was get the tonality and the shape of the vocal set with those. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And... And for this too, like when he's saying all this, I, I don't know why I told, I just told myself, listen to literally everything he's saying and just try it as he delivers it. And just, I feel like sometimes you just got to go with someone you trust and not go, yeah, he said that, but I'm going to try this. Right. I'm like, let's just see what happens. Try it, try it that way try it that first. Way so you know. And then if you need to modify it, you can. Yep. Yeah. So then the R, RVox DS in wideband mode yep. down to like 5K. And just bring the threshold down to when you're hearing the S's. And then F6 on, depending on the singer, 300, 350, maybe even 250. Yep. A pretty wide band there with no subtractive EQ, just the range engaged right. with the threshold. So, so that when they're doing, doing this and they, they only need 350 out, then you can just get that 350 out. And then another one in that 4 or 5K range. Yep. Because arenas... They can get really spanky in that. Oh yeah, sizzly four to five k on a vocal. Then LA two a last. So then you're limiting two or three dB on the vocal chain at the very end. Right. Nothing crazy. Yep. And I tried it on Jad and Soundcheck, and it was like, 
oh, there it is. Yep. Then I felt like that's what my Neumann microphone in a 2000 seat room with good acoustics can do. Yeah. Now we're able to do that in a 15,000 seat room. Yeah. I think the, the low mid ducking with just yep. compression, it's like that. That to me was the difference maker because proximity effect didn't have the same effect. Right. And just the overall, like when it would get louder, it never got muddier. It never got darker. It never, right. it was just, it, it was, it's a really interesting yeah. tweak. Yeah. So Joel wasn't at soundcheck and he sings the first song. So I had everything ready to go, but I, I just started doing one knob of each plugin at a time wow. on him till it worked. Yeah. So I'd go to the EQ, make a change on this one, make a change on this one very slowly, very slowly. Yep. Because the first song is Good Grace. So yeah. it's all kind of down until yeah. two minutes in. So I've got a chance to get it. I got about two minutes to see if all this is going to work and reset all the thresholds. Yeah. Well, you've got a unique challenge with that too, because, and I, this is not a slight against him at all, but because he's not at Soundcheck and he's hitting the ground running with that song. Yeah. It's almost like those first two minutes are his chance to even yeah. get warmed up, get yeah. acclimated, yeah. get, okay, here we are. Cause, cause, and I, again, I don't mean this bad, but when his vocal starts the song, yeah, it's not awesome. Well, he's like, it's, it's raspy so, it's and, so raspy and so intimate. And yeah. when I say not awesome, it is awesome because the tone is yeah. it's like what it is. It's super Chris cool. Stapleton if just, Chris Stapleton and it, yeah, yeah, if Chris Stapleton hits the stage, but he feels like Willie Nelson coming off the bus. It's yeah. like, what's the eighty-seven-year-old Chris Stapleton gonna do? Yeah, but it's it's great. It's just from yeah. a from a sonic. It's hard clarity standpoint. It's yeah. difficult. That's that's yeah. my only point. He's a worship leader, not a singer. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we start changing things one at a time, and then get to the end, and I'm like, oh, now he sounds awesome. So it worked. It worked. It, it was a smash. It totally worked. And just kept applying it to the rest of the vocals all night. Yeah. And nailed it. Definitely worked. Yeah. You've heard us talk a lot about church gear on our podcast because we really think that what they're doing is so great. But did you know that church gear gives six-month warranties on all of their certified church-owned gear? I mean, who even gives a warranty on used gear? That's pretty amazing. And they give this exclusively to churches. So if your church needs to save some money on gear this summer, head over to their website at churchgear.com and check it out. You know, with them giving this six-month warranty, I'm not sure why you wouldn't go there first rather than some of the other sites that are out there because I don't know of anybody else giving warranties on used gear. So just look for the orange certified church-owned sticker and you'll know that that gear will give you the peace of mind of an additional six-month warranty. Also, Lee was just on their podcast, so make sure to check that out as well. You'll find it all at churchgear.com. Hey, everybody. I wanted to let you know about a great offer from our friends at The Church Co. They build church websites completely for free. They will handle the migration of your existing website over to their platform and can even manage it for you ongoing. The Church Co. is a complete digital platform for churches, including websites, apps, giving, prayer, small groups, SEO, Google advertising, and more. 
Best of all, it's integrated with all of the major CHMSs like Planning Center and PushPay, to name a couple. If you're interested in upgrading your website and simplifying its management, use our promo code MXU to save 20% on your first three months. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. A few months ago, we had Paul Cox from Capture Collab on the podcast, and we talked about the importance of storing and organizing all of your church's photography. Capture Collab is a tool built specifically for churches to handle this. From capturing to uploading and then tagging, it's the ideal photo storage and sharing system that lets you never lose a photo again. Imagine searching for photos of people in your foyer holding a coffee and your library scoping down directly to photos meeting those specifications. If you're tired of sending out links and searching through folders, use the promo code MXU to save when you sign up for Capture Collab. Well, there looky he here. Is. Matt Gilder is here. Okay. Yeah, we right are. Now we're we're midstream. Why don't you have a seat, buddy? Grab this guy by that. And this uh, is perfect timing. Good morning. Morning. How are you, Lee? I'm good. So, we are joined by my good friend Matt Gilder, who is Tomlin's MD and keyboard player. We've been friends forever, and we just want to chat with you it's like you never know back here in the green room who's going to come by so this is awesome i walk back here and this is a production i don't know what i thought i'd walk into this morning (laughs) well you guys are we're we're not going to do it if we're not doing it right you're not playing around over here at the famous uh, ppg arena that's right in pittsburgh pennsylvania come on how about these locker rooms that we are not allowed to go in well the pittsburgh penguins are a big deal around here and uh it's like a shrine down that hallway back there it's the mario lemieux memorial auditorium apparently it's awesome they're not playing around no do you know what ppg stands for Um, i think it's pittsburgh paints and glass you would yeah i thought maybe pittsburgh uh what was the old team the pittsburgh power yeah football team and then i thought pittsburgh penguins but actually Jeff and Lee, PP Industries is an American Fortune 500 company and global supplier of paint coatings and specialty materials with headquarters in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, they operate more than 70 countries in the, around the globe and by revenue. I, I could go on and on, but it's a, uh, it's a paint coatings. I just woke up and had my first cup of coffee. I'm halfway through mine. So you guys seeing me walk by and invite me into this, Yeah, you may regret that. No, this it's going to be awesome. So we just wanted to chat with whoever walked by so we're chatting with you i would like to know what it was like two mornings ago to hear the news your front of house guy is down (laughs) who are we going to get and then someone says well jeff sandstrom is in town and is coming to the show the best part and i don't know if they'll hear this but the best part is the gentleman that gave me the news he didn't lead he could have led with uh hey good news Jeff's here tonight, which I should have known because you had texted me a few days before and I missed the text, but he didn't lead with that. He led with, okay, here's the deal. (laughs) Our guy is down and, and then like this pregnant pause and then, but good news. Cause I thought as soon as he said that, I thought, well, there goes my day. I'm going to be spending, you know, which is, it's the job, but I thought I'd be spending the day with, uh, well, it been me you, probably, but which would have been great. Well, 
I would. I didn't know any of the songs, so you'd been rehearsing songs with me all day, right? Uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. We I played for this new artist called Chris Tomlin. Yeah, Lee has never never heard, heard Chris Tomlin before. No, and so he's yeah. Well, Lee, you know, we're we're still a little unsure of Lee's uh, eternal destiny. Let's just say that. Okay, exactly. I I mean, I know the songs. But <laughs> you don't I don't know, know the parts. The parts. There we go. Yeah. 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 And the arrangements. There we go. Yeah. yeah. And we like to keep it fresh over here. At- but that new song you guys have been playing, How All Great, what's how, how Great Is Our God? That's going to be a good gonna, one. That's going to work. I think it's going to take off. I told off. Chris, I, they, were, they were 50-50 <laughs> on whether they were even going to put that on the record. I was like, move forward on this one. I've yeah. got a feeling. <laughs> so speaking of that, was that the first record you played on back in the day? Ooh, good question. Arriving? No man, I came late to the game. I um, I was waiting for him to get a little steam. Because <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest, okay. You think back to those years. Yeah. That was what oh six oh seven something like that. Yeah, how great! I feel like that arriving oh four oh four. Okay, whatever it was. 05. First four songs on that album. Okay, first like oh you just gosh. push play on the CD, and first four songs are "Your Grace Is Enough," forever. Yeah. How great is our God, and holy is the Lord. I'm like, this kid's gonna I mean, make it. it smells like yeah. top ten right out this of the gate. Make it. It's, yeah, I think he's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, I had heard about because of that record. I'd heard of Chris and the guys, and then they were starting to play festivals. I was playing for, wow. Well, let's be honest, I was playing for anybody that would <laughs> give me money um, at the time, and I would see him at festivals. I'm like, these guys are good it was pretty rock and roll just four guys yeah and everybody else is trying to drag 10 dudes on the stage and um so i'd seen him around um but i didn't really know at the time they didn't do a great job of connecting chris to those songs or at least in the like mm-hmm. zeitgeist like yeah um nobody i knew knew that he wrote all those songs we yeah. thought maybe he just sang them or whatever so i got called in oh six to play the record um see the morning okay yeah and so like maybe april we were recording that record and um they didn't have a keyboard player so i played the record down and i i don't know i think i've told maybe i've told you this before jeff but um it was one of those days where the band wasn't supposed to be there i didn't even think i was going to meet him i was hanging out with ed cash their producer and we're playing and it's it's going down fine but nothing's like extraordinary yeah and i literally i had one trick because they only wanted me to play piano in b3 and i was kind of known for like running software and stuff at the time because you know it's before computers were super popular but i had set up kind of a system like you guys have in here like a little mixer a computer and i dropped a couple of mics in the piano the big big c7 grand piano and i thought if they need anything I'll have like this effecty piano thing that they could open up a couple channels yeah. and, you know, knock their socks off. Well, the very last song, Chris and the guys never show up, which I didn't expect. The very last song was this pretty slow song and I can't remember the name of it or I would tell you. And I said, hey, open up those last two channels. And Chris and Daniel walk in at that time. I don't know. You know they're in the booth. They're just in the control room. Yeah, they're in the control room. So they walk in and I'm doing, it's the one thing that day that was worth anything. Everything yeah. else was like, blong, blong, <laughs> blong. And we hit it off, man. And, That's and cool. so, uh, yeah, 
07, I came on full time. So. Yeah. So here we are, 15 years later. And you you came on. I came on 07 as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Me and Jeff were the newbies, man. Yeah. Nice. I remember the first time we met, it was at some. Was that in some Atlanta? festival? Oh, festival. I, I forget. I, I I don't. One of the first. It, it's funny because they asked me to. That, well, were you at Thirsty? Yep. That was it. It was Thirsty. You sure? Yeah, you were doing something else. I was. Right? I was mixing band. for all the bands because it was right. at it was at North Point in Atlanta. Yeah. And it was a a festival, or a conference that Louis Giglio did every year for yeah. college leaders. Yeah, that that were parched, parched college leaders. Yes, go on. They were thirsty, <laughs> and uh, so I was I was mixing uh, Charlie Hall. Yep. Session. He was leading that day. We heard it. We came. To and you guys Charlie. were sitting next to me, or sitting behind me at front of house. Yeah. And after Charlie was finished, Chris said, um, "I've never heard Charlie sound that way. Uh, our front of house guy is transitioning, so can you come and take his place?" And I said, "No." Stella, you you my, my daughter was nine months old at the time. I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not really setting out to be a touring guy. I like I'm, I'm fine in the studio. And so Chris said, why don't you come and fill in for a few dates that we already have booked until we find somebody. Right. And apparently we didn't find anybody Lo until 2016 <laughs> because it lasted for a minute. But I think one of the first things was a festival in Hawaii of all things. Yeah, that'll that'll secure the that'll, yeah. the yeah. job. That'll, that'll yeah. I changed my mind. Little job security there. Did so, you play golf in Hawaii? Uh, we did actually. There it is. Yeah. What did Jesse Reeves tell you about? When, oh, when, yeah. When I he, said, yeah. I said, we're. I'm not going to do it. He goes, but you might. Yeah. <laughs> I said, no. I'm really. I'm really not thinking this is it. He goes, but you might. <laughs> right. You can't really persuasive. can't really say no to the good Reverend Reeves. No, he's, he's like six foot nine. He's like, yeah. you know. <laughs> he looks like Jesus, and he looks like Jesus. What are you going to say? Acts like Jesus too, which is a good I'm thing. So holy, he's amazing. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to ask you a couple things about your role, though, in the band, because you're not just the piano player, keyboard player. You're the MD. You're the quarterback. You're driving the bus for all the transitions and starts and stops and cues, and you also create all the tracks and yeah. Ableton and all that. So just there's a lot of people listening who have somebody in that role at their church who may be great at it, who may be just starting out, maybe not so skilled in all the things that they need to know. So uh, I don't know even how to, how to ask, but like just a couple of thoughts, tips, like how did you make the move from, okay, I'm playing piano to now I'm integrating all these software tools and paying attention to what's actually happening in Ableton, like balances of tracks. Cause you and I have talked a lot over the years about how this stuff translates in the PA, Yeah, you know, cause you might, you might create something that you love in your headphones and you get it out in the PA and it's like, where'd all that cello come from? Just pokes and weird. Yeah. Ways. So it's those kind of things. It's like, we've yeah. got a lot of guys who are trying to navigate some of that. So, I mean, I know we don't have a ton of time, but, how would yeah. you start to unpack some of those things? I got thrown into it. Uh, not something I was searching for, but got a gig actually with Rebecca St. James. And there, uh, I got the gig because their singer, or their keyboard player, MD, was having to go do something else uh, just for two weeks. And he said, do you uh, have a computer? Can you run tracks? Because I run everything from uh, that station, the key station. 
And I said, yes. And that was not true. <laughs> then, you went out, then you went out and bought a computer. I was a liar. I literally went and bought a computer. This is no lie. You can ask Did you me. lie to David Smallbone? Uh, David Doss is his name. Okay. Um, I didn't meet David Smallbone, and I would not have, knowing him now, yeah. lie. But David Doss was my buddy. Um, and he threw me into it, man. He was like, he was like, bye. Uh, he's like, uh, do you have a computer? Yes. That wasn't true. But I had one shortly after that. Get a Motu interface get digital performer that's what everybody used yep. at the time and i jumped in man and um it worked everything he he lined me up he showed me and after i got through that two weeks i was like you know wipe my brow and i made it and i dove in and and there was no youtube at the time but anybody that would talk to me about yeah. how to do that i was reading like keyboard magazine and mix magazine because there were these guys um you know Mixing or, or doing playback for Madonna, yeah. playback for all of these big acts at the time that were given interviews. And so I'm yeah. just like scouring. And they were all using Digital Performer. Everybody was using yeah. Digital Performer. So I did that for like three years. And every band that I would, that I, I would just, that was my new thing. That was well, because at the niche. time, it's funny, because even in the studio, it was like Pro Tools was a tape machine yep. for the most part. Yep. Like the MIDI implementation in Pro Tools was not as good yeah, as no. digital performer. And so everybody who was who had MIDI playback at all seemed like they were gravitating toward performer because it could play back audio as well. And it was it was great at that. But it, it's like if if you just had audio files to play back, a lot of people were using Pro Tools. Right. But if you had any kind of programming associated with it or virtual instruments or anything like that, it was like yeah. right. DP was the ticket. Yeah, you could do everything in that one program. And they had a window that you could like a song window where yeah. you could like line out your song. Like chunks. They chunks. called it chunks. Yeah. Good memory. I yeah. Well, I don't know. Some I used churches it. still use it for playback. It's awesome. Yeah. Especially if they want to be loose on the arrangements. Yep. It's very cool. Yeah. But that was pre-Ableton. That so. was pre-Ableton. Well, I mean, maybe there was an Reason. Ableton one or something, but it, it, it looked like crayons. Yeah. Like somebody drew it with crayons. And uh, Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> who do we have here? Who's the next victim? Uh, uh, anyway, I did that for three years and then they came out with performer five or six or whatever the upgrade was. And I was going out with an artist named Bebo Norman and, and I had lined out all his tracks, mixed them for a week. I was so excited and, uh, deport, uh, uh, Deformer, <laughs> in a way, yes. It about it about deformed my career for sure. Um, performer bailed. I mean, it just crashed first day of rehearsal, oh. and I couldn't get it back. That whole first day, wow, I was struggling, and I had no redundant computer then, oh. and it wouldn't have mattered because it was an upgrade thing that I had done. But I, had, long story short, I couldn't go back. Yeah, and so anybody listening. Never get yourself in a situation yeah. where you upgrade and can't go back. Oh, God. It has burned me so many times. Well, it's funny because I have several friends in the AVL integration business who their main advice to churches is don't ever do an upgrade on Friday. Oh, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> because it's like, right. you know, you, you get somewhere where you can't you can't get out of it, and then Sunday's coming. It's, it's like, coming. No upgrades yeah. on Fridays. You're not, you're not <laughs> sleeping. If you yeah. do, just plan on not sleeping yeah. until Sunday. That night, I went over to a buddy's house who, um, uh, you know, Matt Payne. Oh, yeah. He puts together a lot of bands in Nashville, and he's uh, an excellent MD. Matt, if you're listening, God bless you. He and I bought Ableton, 
and stayed up till he would know four in the morning or something, just reading and looking at whatever videos we could look at. And that changed my life. Came in the next day, everything worked and hit the ground running with Ableton. That was, that was like 2006, five. Wow. Right before Tomlin. Total trial by fire. Or maybe four. I, I don't remember what year that was, but trial by fire. The tour went great. And then I started using it. That That's when churches, uh, you know, started implementing like, yeah. hey, can we do some tracks? And right. So that around that time is when I started working with kids that were MDs coming up and just getting Ableton in everybody's hands that would listen. And I mean, knock on wood, the thing... The thing is only glitched one time in a foreign country. Country you were there. Oh yeah, for passion. Was it in tour, Philippines? Philip Manila. Yeah, and that it was like user error. It was like somebody did something wrong. Yeah, um, and just scared everybody to death. But it's been the most solid program. So I, I've been I've spent the last fifteen years just picking everybody's brain that's smarter than me. Yeah, that's. That knows anything in any kind of little edge I can get with Ableton, yeah, and and how to implement it into churches, how to um, how to mix in it because it is a different program. It is. I sound yeah. like I'm doing an ad for Ableton. I'm not. It's just for me. It's been. It's the tool that you use, and it's great. Yeah. One thing that I've always appreciated, and this is maybe something that we can talk about, is like when you would build tracks in Ableton. Yeah. It was always part of our rehearsal process yeah. that we we wouldn't just assume everything was great. Like a big part of maybe even like a couple hours of a first day of rehearsal was you listening to those tracks in the PA with me to go, okay, how's this hitting us? What What's sticking out? What's not sticking out? What do we need to tweak? Because within Ableton, you know, it's not just stereo playback you've got elements within ableton that you can mix inside of those tracks as they're coming out of the outputs so it's it's a huge lesson i think for people to understand that you know what works great in the tracks might not translate in the pa so having that relationship with whoever's at front of house to kind of make some of those assessments and tweak and not be afraid to maybe drastically modify some of what's happening to be able to get it right in the pa that's it's it's pretty essential because if you just play back the if you take all the tracks that you get out of you know wherever you get your tracks and you just play them back um especially if you've got any kind of band right it's just gonna get funky but even even with even if you were up there faking it just doesn't always work in every uh, situation to play back everything so i yeah i spend a lot of time with jeff at front of house picking apart Especially bass lines, yep. you know, synth bass lines, um, getting rid of stuff that's going to figuring out how they can live with our bass player. If there's a part that, yeah, you know, if there's a part, there's some kind of sub part that gets really funky. Any kind of low pads, yes, that that take over your world, right? Which is Christian music, right? Like it's it totally like, is on records, on records, but then live, like you have a left hand on the keys, yeah. There's stuff on pads and synths. And there's a bass player, and there's a mono sub bass tracks. Oh, you you playing gotta, forty hertz? You gotta you know? play, exactly. You got to plan around it. Yeah. So we have. I mean, if I played you back Tomlin's uh, stems right now, there's there's a song that has some pretty cool uh, 
low synth stuff in it, but I won't be down there banging around during that right. part. Right, your left hand right. is tied behind your back at that point. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, so we spend a lot of time before each tour um, uh, picking apart that stuff, figuring out what it sounds like in your ours is you know whatever venues we're in but if you're in church i would do it at passion yeah we would go when we had passion city church we'd go to the back and sit in the sound booth yeah be like what sounds great in this room especially for any of those events right because what 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 translates through the little speakers in your headphones is you know some of that stuff is just imperceptible yeah compared to when you put it in a big pa with huge subs it's like Okay, especially the low end, we got to pay attention to that. Yeah. And then the other thing you touched on it is, you know, a lot of guys will download stuff from multitracks.com. Yeah. And then, so for those people, any tips on how to actually play along with that stuff? Like what, maybe how to consider what to use, what not to use. And then if you are using something that is kind of a double of what you're doing, how do you, how do you play with it? How do you practice with it? How do you play around it? Because, you know, for a volunteer musician who's coming in and this isn't their job, they're a school teacher or they're a dentist and they walk in on Sunday morning and their job is to play keys along with all this other stuff that's going on. You know, if, if they're a traditional piano player, yeah, it's a different mindset of how to play with some of this modern worship stuff. It really is. And, 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 um, and you'll be glad to know that it's a lot easier if you're a traditional <laughs> piano player because... Um, I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned the part doubling and stuff like yeah. that, um, because there are some things that I've, I just decided. You know what? I love this sound, and I could sample it and and try to play it, but it's so locked in, quantized. Why don't I do this? Why don't I take a drier version of that crazy key sound? Right. So I'll dry up um, what I'm doing. Okay. Quite a bit. Yeah. And I'll just sit there and practice that exact line that's going to be on the track and going to give it that zing, going to give it that yeah. whatever that over-the-top thing that people hear is. I'll just practice playing that. And, 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 you know, the figure, it needs to be tight. But the beautiful thing about that is if you're not going to play it perfect, right? Because right. we're not machines. right? And that gives that part, in my opinion, life live if i'm not like just all over the place yeah it's not the same as like doubling a snare drum or something that could get flaming yeah excuse me doubling a kick drum that's different but in keys world and in some guitar world guitar i approach it differently i sit there with daniel our guitar player and we really decide um you know hey this part is adding a lot of lush um texture to the track so let's keep that in there and let's have you, you know, play this live. Yeah. We, we really It's almost like because because Chris has had just one electric player for so long. Yeah. It's almost like, okay, what's what's the essential thing from the record that Daniel needs to yes. lean into live? Yeah. And then all the other guitars that are on the record, which of those need to be in the song, but maybe they become a part of the tracks because we don't have people to just cover all that live. Whereas some bands have three guitar players, they can all kind of spread the parts out evenly, but okay. For Daniel, like what's the main thing Mm -hmm. and then let's fill in from there. And you don't, and we, I'm not telling you what you do, Jeff, but we don't use all of those tracks, not even close to it. Right. I mean, if you could see the guitars that are muted, yeah. um, 
and everybody's approach is a little different. <clears throat> but if you do use those things, you've got to just go nuts on EQ. And I got to spend yes. a lot more time mixing and doing all kinds of compression tricks to try to make that yep. stuff fit right. Where I'm like, do I really need that? Especially now that I'm playing live, like the keys are coming in live and maybe I'm live. It's just such a different beast. And so typically for me, it's getting rid of a lot of those parts, drying up our sound a lot, especially in bigger rooms. Um, yeah. You could just, we hear these records with this amazing, these amazing reverbs and I love it all. And we have it on stage. We have a lot of that technology but it's easy to go too far, in my yeah. opinion, live. Yep, totally. And that hamstrings you guys. Oh, yeah. I'd rather yeah. you send stuff drier, and then let's talk about how we add it, either that being a plug-in in Ableton yeah. for that song, or, hey, I've got a verb we can try. Right. Because you can't take reverb away. You can't take it away. Yeah. And yeah. I think the other thing that I would say for, again, for people just starting out, as much as you can, if you have the channel count and you have the interface, as much as you can separate parts out, yes. it just makes it easier for us. For example, I love your piano playing. Mm -hmm. Like I said to Lee last night, I am so like I so miss being able to mix a piano like yours every night because it's it's just so tasteful and it's just right and it's it's kind of driving the band on a lot of things. Oh, let, let me interrupt you. So last night during Everlasting God, verse two. Four bars in, last two beats, bomb, bomb, bomb. Yeah. He goes, he goes, watch this. And takes a fader to stun. And you just hear. <laughs> there's little you things. Remember. Oh, absolutely. Because there's little that. things like that. But I would say the, the point is, I love having piano separate from everything else. So yeah. we've got we've got a stereo piano channel, yeah. and then we've got a stereo keys two where all of your pads and strings and other stuff is happening yes that's separate from the keys that are in the tracks so our tracks layout is basically stereo loops mm -hmm. drum stuff a mono channel that's a guitar part or a lead line or mm -hmm. a synth bass thing or whatever and then stereo bgvs and stereo instruments yep and so just to have some of that separation and clarity is so important but a lot of people get in trouble when they have a piano player they've got two channels in their input list and so they're like okay that's our keys lines so they have piano and then they've got yeah. this pad thing a that's a lot of pad yeah like okay can we maybe vote the pad off the island here because it's just <laughs> taken over especially low mid left hand all that kind of stuff so right. my advice would be the more we can separate that stuff out the better for everybody in, in a huge way if you don't it's just going to be you're literally tying you guys' hands back at the board. I can only use so much piano if you've got this wildly wide, low-end yeah. rumble pad going on. Right. That's a good word. So we only have a couple minutes left, but yeah. um, one thing that I love about mixing for you guys, and one thing that you guys do so well, is from an arrangement perspective, everybody's parts are just so clearly defined. I was telling you guys after the show last night, one of my favorite moments of the of the set is Angel Armies. Yeah. Because Daniel's guitar lead, the piano part, even the drum fills, it's like there there are things about that song that just gel together in a musically perfect way for wow. me. And so talk for a minute about arrangements. Like how are you as you're kind of driving the bus for the band and kind of leading that, 
how do you navigate choices in that regard? Like, okay, maybe we need to, why don't you lay out till the second verse? Yeah. Or let's not bring that in until chorus two. Or, hey, when the bridge needs this lift, let's bring this in. But Because a lot of people think the win is just, let's all play all the right chords at the right time. Right, right. Talk a little bit about building an arrangement. Now I'm glad you asked the uh, difference between obviously know the records really well, right? That we're playing, know those records and study those. Um, but the, the difference is a lot of times live, it's it's a little more advantageous to uh, strip some things away up front. Like maybe, yeah. maybe the bass doesn't enter at verse one, like it did in the record um, because records have an awesome way, awesome tricks, how to build yeah. energy that are tougher to build live. So thinking through a lot of a lot of times, kind of like the tracks, it's maybe stripping a little something away, and giving us some place to go. And then for us, I'm I'm trying to pick parts because again, there'll be like ten great guitar hooks on some of these songs. I mean, ten might be a lot, but there'll be like a lot of yeah little cool guitar parts. And so if it's going to be just all guitar, then that's I guess that's one thing. But if I can say, hey, let's take that, coming out of that second verse, let's really focus on that fun little line, right, that Daniel did or or whoever, if it's a Hillsong song or a Bethel song, let's focus on that. Let's make that a thing. And then let's communicate with sound guys that, you know, like you guys got to be on the same page with all this stuff. Like you're back there pushing faders at the right time because you know, oh, hey, here's Matt. He's going to do this little bit at the end of the second chorus. Timmy, the drummer, is, oh, man, get ready. Going into the bridge. This is going to be wild. So we, we'll we take, you know, each section, something interesting. We're just trying to create interest. Um, yeah. Because worship music um, can feel really linear. Yes. Um, and can and and we we all fall into it um you know you're you're it could it, it could for lack of a better word just feel boring sometimes if you yeah. don't if you don't cut some stuff out and focus on um each section having something that grabs your attention yeah. a little bit you know there's two songs we're doing right now that that i every night i I, I don't. We're not there yet with. I won't name them in case you're coming to the concert. We'll tonight. talk about it during sound we'll talk check. Talk about though. it tonight. <laughs> but 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 the ones that are cooked, it's like ah, they just feel. You just settle yeah. into it in a different way. You settle into it in a different way. It captures your attention the whole time. So it's picking those parts that are important and leaving alone the ones that are only going to get in the way and be distracting. And not every part translates live. And that maybe is just something you learn with the experience. But right. that sixteenth note thing in a bigger room may get lost. You may yep. never hear it. That's good. Um, it's so our main thing is play less and play drier. If I had to leave you with anything yeah. from a musician standpoint, play less, play drier, listen to the song, listen to the melody, focus on, those are the things that are important. That's awesome. If that lead singer, if the worship leader, if what he's saying is getting stepped on, then what are we doing? Right. Well, I think in programming the set list too, there's an element of like Lee and I were talking about this last night about the United set. You know, when they do with everything, it is, it's like, it's just massive at the end. Yeah. So to follow that up with oceans, yes, it could be massive as well. It's like, there's this, Yep. tendency nowadays in modern worship music to have this kind of wall of sound with every song right right so how do you yeah 
we, we were talking about it during the set last night. It's like least consciously thinking, I can't treat oceans the same way that I do with everything That's because brilliant. we've decided that the end of with everything visually lighting yeah. videos it's like that's it's the biggest moment that's the moment yeah so the next song oceans it's like okay when it gets big it has to be maybe a notch less big yeah otherwise people are just going to feel like they're getting bombarded yeah and i think a lot of times in church people put these songs back to back in their worship set and they wonder why people are just less staring engaged or fatigued or God, such a good point so man. In terms of like how you guys build a set, how much is that a part of your thinking? In a huge way, yeah. Um, set like we're doing right now is a little easier because we've only we're it's shorter. Yeah, I think Hillsong and I think we're splitting fifty five minutes each or something like that. Sixty five, yeah, uh, sorry, sixty five minutes. So we typically we'll go an hour thirty, um, and that gets more complicated because you really got to think about the. But look at it like. Um, hills and valleys and and if we're coming on the we're heading up this mountaintop for um with everything like the hill song song we're not going to follow it up with i'm trying to think another huge banger of theirs um oceans could be but we got to figure out how to treat that different right and sona tomlin said if that if the next song really needs to be another big song we'll change the arrangement yeah typically we'll uh, maybe the songs we're gonna we're not gonna use all the big tracks. Let's strip this back a little bit, give the listener a break, yeah, give us somewhere to go. But <clears throat> it's definitely you're wanting to take people on an experience, and I think we lose that in worship because it's like, well, we just want to worship God, and that's and absolutely true. And the people that are worshiping God are the same people that are listening to pop music and going yeah. to all these yeah. concerts where we have this way that we experience music and art that it just can't be overwhelming the whole time no you don't want them to endure worship no right no and you can really it doesn't matter if you have um uh, two you know a piano player and organist and a guitar player or if you have a whole orchestra you can arrange it all these all these uh methods apply all these principles apply you can arrange something where it was interesting and doesn't wear people out yeah and the piano player's laying out for this song we're just going to do guitar in this right but it makes the overall impact so much more powerful that's what we're looking for yeah yeah Yeah. that's cool well matt thanks for doing this thank you so much for chatting with us you guys um not blowing smoke y'all are my favorite i'm yeah uh, long time listener first time caller <laughs> <laughs> what you're doing is super important and, thanks man and just know you got a lot of fans out there appreciate we love it you. thanks well this is fun yeah it was awesome I guess we gotta get our console set up yeah we and, do we don't have assistance like we have on the MXU tour that's right and it's funny because these particular consoles take a minute to get everything plugged in <laughs> yeah we've got racks and racks and racks of stuff that has a lot of cables and no labels and Yes. It's been interesting. Yeah. But this is fun. All right. We better get to it. All right. See you next time. Okay. Okay.